0: Three games without a win for Manchester United as the 2020-21 season begins to come to its conclusion. Second place is confirmed. A European final awaits, but the true focus of this week is on the return of fans to Old Trafford after 436 days. The return of raw emotion, shared celebrations of real football. It was amazing to be back. Jack, it was amazing to be back and uh, the noise there just gives an example of the um, the passion of, of the 10,000 fans back at Old Trafford and that is the focus of this week. The result in the end was disappointing and it's, uh, I guess, fortunate there was nothing to play for because walking away from Old Trafford on uh, on Tuesday evening, it kind of it took me about five minutes to forget that we'd drawn 1-1 with an already relegated team because A, it was just amazing to be to be back there in uh, in that environment and that atmosphere. But also, Edinson Cavani scored an outrageously brilliant goal, and so I think in the end we second place already confirmed. That a one-nil draw to Fulham will be very easily forgotten.
1: A result that will be very easily forgotten, but a, a day. And especially a moment with Edison Cavani that I think will be remembered for a long, long time, to be honest. The return of fans to Old Trafford. We were one of the few clubs in the country that didn't have any fans come back when we first were allowed some fans into Premier League games back in December before another round of lockdowns hit the UK. So, you know, we're one of the few clubs that haven't had any fans yeah. in since last March. And it was, it was quite fitting. I think that the last goal scored in front of fans was a, you know, a long range, short past that out of position goalkeeper from Scott McTominay against Manchester City and Edinson Cavani provided a very similar and probably even more spectacular moment for United. I mean, it was just a, a, a stupendous goal. And it, I, think you, I think you don't quite realise just how much you miss fans being in the stadium until you see it again. You know, I, I'd almost felt like I got yeah. used to watching football without any fans. And it's not until you, even just 10,000 and you know, you still see so many empty seats, but just the the emotion, the noise. It, it was the little things that I noticed. You know, you it actually isn't really to me the celebrations when you when you score because often you're celebrating yourself so much at home, so you don't it, you don't quite notice it the difference so much. To me, the difference is more when you're on the counter attack or when there's a contentious decision, when a big tackle yeah. goes in. You know, it's it's those kind of things that we take for granted so much that we don't have the same emotion to watching on our own. It was that, that I loved, you know, every time Fernandez picked up the ball and we were on the attack, you could feel Old Trafford rising to their hero. And that is what I've missed.
0: Yeah. It's that sense of anticipation and and expectation for certain players as well. And it's, I was listening to an interview with Dan James before Tuesday's game. And he was saying, one of the things he mentioned while talking about fans returning was, the roar that you get when he picks up the ball and charges forward. And I thought that was interesting because I, I think it would be different for all the players on the pitch. I guess for someone like Victor Lindelof, it would be the moment he makes a strong tackle, which he did at one point. And again, you get that, that, that uproar from the stance, um, anticipation and reaction. And, and it, it was funny really, because I was I was a little bit, I, I don't know the word, I think I was a, a, maybe a, a wary I woke up on Tuesday morning and I wasn't really sure what to expect. And as you say, fans, football without fans had become very normalized. Uh, I think for, for us as fans and for players as well. But I think for us as fans, we'd kind of got used to it. And not only that, but 436 days is a, is a long time to not do something, to have that pause in it. And so I, I was looking ahead to the game in the evening thinking, will this be as good as, as good as I remember or will this kind of be a bit of a damp squib? Will it be kind of an underwhelming return and the actual moment that will be brilliant was will be when it's full. And, and yet yeah, that will be the actual moment where you think, wow, this is, this is just a, a kind of an, another level. I was, I think it, it exceeded my expectations massively. And I think you forget the 10,000 people is a, in Old Trafford, it looks like the stadium's relatively empty, but ten thousand is a a vast number of people, given the circumstances of the last year and a half ten thousand people inside a stadium uh with i mean staggered Something entry times but... all the
1: games to be honest like the, i was I was with you, I was wary of how much you know four, six, eight, ten thousand fans would mm. that actually make that much of a difference, or would it almost look? Even more sad, you know, that you've just got so many empty seats everywhere with just a smattering of fans. But it, the difference it makes to the atmosphere and the occasion and the emotion you have watching the game was huge. It
0: is. It's enormous. And I think what was interesting is I had that weariness partly because so much of the football is is going, is the experience and the shared experience and the talking to mates, but also talking to strangers and that that is obviously stripped back a bit. There isn't quite, I mean, you can go, you could go to the pub before, but it's not quite the same. It's not, it's kind of sitting at tables and getting table service and ordering on an app rather than standing in a a hub and a crowd of people. And so I guess a bit of the weariness came from that, but actually it was, it was quite nice to have this stripped back experience where you didn't think about going into the concourse at halftime to grab another pint. You just—it was just—it was very stripped back, and it, it kind of allowed that raw emotion to come out. Um, obviously, you, you, I looked around, and the stadium wasn't full, but the songs carried really well. They started very regularly. The sound that came out was pretty decent, and it, it did. It was that stripping back of of kind of all the, the side stuff that you normally get with football into just kind of the game and. I, it, I, it was really nice. It was a, it was a really just it was great to be there. And um, I turned to my brother at one point for oh, this is this is brilliant. And said, I've, I've, it was a reminder as well of kind of the reason that you love going to the football is because it kind of facilitates days. It facilitates other memories. The going to the pub before and then what going to the pub or grabbing a meal after or, or kind of chatting to strangers there. Is that which makes it so good? It's not necessarily the football on the pitch, but we should talk about the football on the pitch a little bit. And Ennis Cavani's goal was, yeah, as you say, similar to McTominay's, and just it—it it, it was, I think, as as you also said, absolutely right that Ennison Cavani was the the one to give that memorable moment to the first match in a while, given his recent form and his impact this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better a better goal and a better person to be the one to raise the curtain on Old Trafford with fans again. It was everything that we we could have asked for. He deserved it, you know, no end. Everything he's done for us, especially in the last two months or so with his performances, it was so fitting that he was the one that would score the goal on the return of fans, especially since so much of the conversation around whether he was going to stay or not in the last six weeks or so has focused around this desire, especially from Solskjaer for Cavani to feel that feeling of scoring in front of fans at Old Trafford and that it wouldn't feel right if he didn't get that moment. And we've now had a small taste of it. He's had a small taste of it and we can only hope that that is the first of many in front of yeah. some fans at Old Trafford, but hopefully sooner at full full Old Trafford next season when he will hopefully be a big part of our, of our team going forward and, and scoring even more goals at that. It was, I mean, just watching the goal, it was, it felt like it happened in slow motion. Yeah. You know, sometimes you see a player try something and it just, it feels like it takes an age for it to actually happen and for the end result to, to come to fruition. It And that was one of these goals. It felt like the ball hung in the air for, for decades. Yeah. At At one point, it's just like, is it going to make it? And I mean, when it did, it's just the audacity to even try it, you know, like he had, 30 yards of open space in front of him. Why, why would you not just run into it and, and calmly slot the ball past Ariola? I know. The best players don't think like that. It's,
0: it, it just is instinct, isn't it? It's what the what result was that moment like in,
1: in the stadium, Harry?
0: It's, it's funny. So I was, uh, I was sat behind it. So from the end where De Gea threw the ball. So I watched it. I watched Cavani. I, I saw the number seven on Cavani's back and watched it go in at the Stretford End, um, to give you an idea of where I was sat. It was, it's hard to describe, isn't it? It, I mean, I don't just want to say it was great. It was, but it was that, that kind of release of, I think because we were playing all right as well. Everyone was in a good mood anyway. And it, it did have that brilliant thing where it came to him and you get that sharp intake of breath and then the pause. And that's one of, my favourite things about full stadiums is that intake of breath and then that that kind of moment of silence, as you say, the ball just kind of hanging in the air, hung in the air for an age, and you get that that kind of deep silence that has there has no right to be that quiet at such an exciting moment, and then the snap into just chaos and, and noise and and then it's noise for half an hour afterwards. But that one moment of silence is, is <laughs> so satisfying. It's the same satisfying. silence you get when, when um, someone's I, about yeah, to take I don't a penalty as of... well.
1: It's all noise, noise, noise while they're setting yeah. everything up and, and putting the ball down and, and going back. But as soon as their run-up starts, it's it's silence in the stadium. Yeah. It's like hushed. You you literally yeah. feel kind of a hush fall over the stadium. And yeah, you said like you said, in... And the best of scenarios, one that always comes to mind is, is Rashford's penalty against PSG. You know, you hear it ripple the net and then all hell breaks loose.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's the realisation of, because it, it, it always takes people kind of, I don't know how long, half a second to realise kind of what's happened and to process. And then for their brain to go from processing it and processing their disbelief to get that noise out of their mouths. Um, but just that, that noise is, I, I, I'm actually like you. I don't think the celebration of the goal is the best bit about fans being back, but that noise is just brilliant to hear. And I, I tell you what it is as well is the, the pumped in fan noise, you get the celebration and it sounds pretty similar. But what you don't get is that bit before the sharp intake of breath where the ball it looks like Bruno's flicked it on whether he's touched it or not. I don't know. I haven't watched it back enough. I've, well, I say that I have watched that goal back many, many times already today, but you get that the, before the intake of breath is that, that kind of noise of anticipation, the, and then, and then, and then it goes. Um, And that, that actual raw, pure, uh, genuine, authentic noise rather than the pumped in, uh, kind of EA sports fan noise was, was brilliant in terms of the performance. It, I mean, it was a shame that we didn't win. Um, particularly because in the second half we really dominated them. And my brother did turn to me about 10 minutes before they scored and said that they are going to score here, aren't they? Because we were, we didn't have, I don't think we had kind of clear cut chance after clear cut chance, but we did have Mason Green, which should have scored. There should have there were a couple more that came close. Um, Greenwood's probably had two or three, which he would have expected him to score one in particular, which Ariola saved. But we, we did have them under the caution. It really, it would have been brilliant to, to win that by a few goals. And we, we should have won that probably three or four nil rather than drawing it one one. And I guess it's because we had nothing to play for, uh, that, that, that little extra killer instinct maybe, maybe wasn't quite there. But it, I, I don't think it's a trend. I think it's a dip in form, certainly, but I think that does come down to both an intense schedule and the fact that we kind of know where we're finishing this season already.
1: I mean, it very much felt like an end of season game. It felt like a bit of a party atmosphere yeah. in the second half in that it felt like we were taking it a little bit easy. We were very clearly dominant in the game. There was, you know, a bit of a party atmosphere in the in the stands, obviously, with fans being back in, everyone having, enjoying a great day out. And yeah, it just normally when you're 1-0 up against the team, even if you are dominating, there is some amount of tension in the stadium, and there was just there was nothing at all in any way of of tension in Old Trafford. At least what I, what it felt like watching the game.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was.
1: And that's that's exactly what I mean about it being an end of season atmosphere in in almost every way. And just felt like the urgency kind of fell out of United's play. We were playing some really nice football. It, it was almost a bit not showing off, but. It felt a bit like missed chances were, you know, it was uh, there. It's, it's not a big deal. It, there was nothing to play for. And you could just sort of feel our intensity dropping in the game. I think, you know, this week has obviously been very disappointing in three games without a win. I can't remember the last time we, we went three games without a win, to be honest. A long, long time with, without uh, three games without a win. So that is obviously disappointing and a bit of a worry going into the cup final. Not, I don't think in terms of actually the form. You know, to me, the only one of those games that actually was a little bit worrying was Liverpool. You know, I don't think we played very well against Liverpool with a full-strength side, but Leicester with 10 changes and Fulham with, again, a very end-of-season feel, I'm not too concerned. And I don't think it changes too much going into the Europa League final other than, you know, just for confidence and and even sort of subconscious morale in the team. It's nice to go into those kind of games off the back of a win.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it is a, it definitely is a confidence booster to go into a final, uh, with that confidence, having scored a few goals and, and picked up a couple of victories at the end of the season does help. On the other hand, it's a one off game and I think it might help for the first two or three minutes of the game, but I'm not sure it really affects it beyond that what you've done in the previous weeks. I think once, once it starts to the ball starts to move from end to end, I think players just kind of get stuck into their game and, and very focused on the the final at hand rather than what's happened before. Um so it maybe it affects the preparation slightly, but I think it's in terms of its effect on the final, I'm not sure it's it has a great deal, even if we as fans maybe feel less confident going into it. But um it is a shame not to go into the, the final half and won all of our last games. And it's also a shame, I think that we will finish this season quite far behind City when we could have finished kind of as close as four or five points or, um, and that, that would have been, whereas now 12 points behind we'll probably finish 12 points behind, perhaps more. I expect City will win on the final day of the season. Um, and we're going to preview the Wolves game in a bit do you think uh, how much do you think Maguire's absence has affected us because it it, it has our defence is certainly a concern without him
1: oh massive it's been massive I, I think you can see that in the Solskjaer I still don't think has quite settled on the lineup of that centre-back pairing and who will partner Lindelof I think it's still a really close battle between Twanzabia and Bai, and I don't think that has been figured out quite completely, I think it's a massive loss not having Maguire, you know, you you say you you only appreciate something when it's gone and I think that is the case with him at the moment. I don't think we quite maybe understood just how important he is to the stability for us at the back. I mean, we look far far weaker without him in there even against Fulham in the first first half and before the goal in the second half when we were dominating you know, we felt vulnerable at the back and I'm, I'm not saying that we've always been brilliant under Maguire but it definitely felt like a a marked absence and Solskjaer said it's not looking very good for the Europa League final which I mean just personally for Maguire is awful because he if anyone deserves to play in that game it's him having played every single minute up until two weeks ago
0: yeah
1: for the almost two years but for the team as a whole I I think it is a real worry going into a final that we're not going to have him in, in the back four
0: yeah I think it is. We'll be previewing the Europa League final in, in full, um, in the next couple of days, probably before the Wolves game. Uh, we're going to go to preview the Wolves game in a second. I think, yeah, I think what's, what's worrying is we've got the choice between two defenders to play with Lindelof and it's quite hard to choose at the moment, not because they've both taken their chance and played well, but because they both have done the opposite and looked, looked yeah. shaky. And I guess I think both of them alongside were it Lindelof that was ruled out, I, they both look a lot better next to Maguire, and that there's no doubt about that. But it's yeah, it's is certainly a concern. Um, it really affects I think the team as well.
1: Again, the need for a centre back this summer, even if it's not yeah. someone to partner Maguire, but the centre back depth. You know, if whether it's Maguire or Lindelof, if their partnership are just about feasible for a top team, as soon as we get one injury, it's most definitely not okay yeah. for a top team to have you know Transavia or Bailly starting on a weekly basis based on what we've seen
0: yeah and I I can't see Maguire being back for the final really I mean he was walking around on crutches yesterday Um, just to wrap up it was nice the Solskjaer gave a little speech at the end um, saying we know we haven't finished where we want to in the league which I thought was a good reminder that second is not the aim but the uh, the consolation and, and not much more than that even if it does represent a certain amount of progress um, we're going to go to preview Wolves in a second but first uh, very quickly on the youth and women's teams the under 23s and the under 18s have, have both finished their seasons but their player of the years are going to be announced this week I expect the two awards will go to Hannibal Medjbry, uh and Shola Shoretire both attacking midfielders both consistently excellent um, at whatever age group they've played at Hannibal had a, was sent off in his last game of the season, which wasn't entirely surprising. Um, he gets terrible protection from referees and, and he does need to concentrate on keeping that in. And that's been a problem since he joined actually over the last two years. And it's something the coaches are working on, but you can see why he gets angry when he gets hacked down multiple times a game. Uh, nicknamed the Premier League Two's Jack Grealish, which is reasonably accurate. Um, but he could take some lessons off Greedish and how not to get annoyed at it. Uh, in terms of other contenders for the awards, I think they'll go as Hannibal and Terry. but I expect Ethan Galbraith could be in contention. Alvaro Fernandez, Joel Hugo and Charlie McNeil too. All have good shouts to be given the gongs. Um, the women's team, Casey Stoney has left Manchester United, as I'm sure you've seen by now, which is a real shame. She did a fantastic job uh, from the outset of United's women team and it, it raises questions as to how much United want their women's team to be successful for the right reasons or whether it's just about keeping up images. Casey Stoney was always quite open about having to demand more and ask for more and often not getting it. Um, some some false promises from the United board and managers in women's football shouldn't have, have to include constant demands for more in their job descriptions. So that's a shame and we'll see who United get in to replace her. Um, Jack, Wolves. What do you think the Fulham Eleven says about the Europa League starting lineup? Because I, I thought it was interesting that Twanzabe started. As we were just talking about Bay and are the two options. I guess that means buy starts Wolves and the, the only the only thing I thought is maybe buy starts Wolves and then the Europa League final as well because Solskjaer thinks he needs he wants to have like him in in the rhythm rather than having a week's rest? Because actually, if you're going into a final, fitness is important, of course, but kind of being in your rhythm is, is also pretty important.
1: I think the Fulham eleven to me, is... I think there's, there's two positions up for grabs. I think everything else pretty much picks itself. So I think it will be the Fulham eleven in the final. And then I think with Baye, he'll probably get the nod against Wolves. And I think it's probably going to be a case of play well and you're in, play badly and you're out. To be honest, yeah. I think it, it it is that close between Twanzabi and Bae at the moment. And again, like you said, not in the not in the sense of, gee, they're both playing amazingly. Which one do I go with? But more in the which one feels like the less bad option. And yeah. I think it will be kind of down to that. With I think with Bai he has a probably a higher ceiling than than Twanzeby. We've seen some of the performances that he's put in before be immaculate, but he also has the potential to make a clanger as well. Um, so I think it, it would probably be a case of buy if play well and you start, I mean, it, it could even be the case that both of them start depending on how many players we end up resting against Wolves and maybe Solskjaer that's thinks true, play yeah. them together and see who, who plays better at the two of them. Yeah. So I think that's the one position up for grabs. And the other I think is, is who plays on the right. I expect Rashford to come back in over Greenwood and we stick with Pogba on the left. Fernandes in the through the middle, Rashford on the right, and then Cavani up top. I think there is an outside chance that Greenwood could play over Rashford. I actually think Greenwood is is better suited to playing on the right than Rashford.
0: Yeah, like I think he's Greenwood also in better form.
1: Gets closer to his highest level than Rashford does playing on the right. But I think I don't. I just don't think you can go into a final without Marcus Rashford in our team.
0: Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think he has a starting spot, and I th- to it, I think. I think Mason's probably done enough to take that starting spot off him. The only thing is, and I, th- I think Mason Grew has probably been our best player this month, apart from maybe Cavani. But I think part of the reason Cavani's been good is because Groom has been good as well. Um, and I think he should start. The only thing is, Rashford's not a great sub. Whereas Greenwood is a fantastic sub. And so that might yeah. that might come into it, that you start Rashford and if he's not performing. I think Rashford's best performances always come when he starts a game. Whereas Greenwood can Greenwood's best performances are probably off the bench because he tends to fade in games. Beyond the 60-minute mark, he he often fades out of them. Whereas if you bring him off the bench for that and he has just half an hour to impress and to make a difference, then I think he's he is very good at that. So, I think that'll probably come into mind. I'm not sure what we're kind of already previewing the Europa League. Let's go back to Wolves and then we can talk more about this in in a second episode later this week. Wolves finishing bottom half of the table this year now. They should really be doing better, shouldn't they?
1: Yeah, it's been, I think, a, a bit of a strange season for them. And they've, I think, to be honest, this is probably where everyone expected them to be. If you'd have said when they got promoted where would Wolves be in three years this is probably where everyone expected but given where what they've achieved in the last couple of years yeah I think we we all thought they'd be much higher up they, I mean they, and we've, we've said before that they're probably the team that we hate watching United play the most simply because it's it's 90 minutes of almost complete boredom and I think that has been yeah. pretty much borne out for a lot of the season in that they just don't score enough goals they don't have the threat up front Fabio Silva and William Jose definitely don't offer the kind of threat that you would expect of a top-half Premier League team. So, I, I mean, it, again, as it was against Fulham, it's there for the taking against us. It's 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 there for the taking for us, sorry, just as it was against Fulham. It's whether we can... I, I think it comes down partly to the intensity again. You know, the, the intensity definitely dropped off towards the end of the Fulham game. And I think if we are able to put ourselves in a position where we're one, one goal up, will we to have the intensity to be to be ruthless and kill the game off.
0: Yeah, that is I mean that is something we've had to work on all season and 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 still need to do so. Um a win against Wolves would be a nice way, but I, I th- it'll be a much rotated team, won't it? Um and I expect De Gea will start the Europa League final. So it, I'm not gonna say it might be De Gea's last appearance for United, but uh, the one at Fulham could have been his last appearance at Old Trafford if he's going to be moved on this summer, which at the moment I can't really see happening. Um But that's a side point that we can talk about in a couple of weeks. Um We're going to wrap things up there. I'm not going to give a prediction for the Wolves game because I've got no ideal start. I reckon we'll probably lose it, to be honest. Um which will be a lovely way to end the season. But there we go. Second place secured and that's um, what matters for now. And, and what really matters is Europa League final. We're going to go to a patron Q&A now. Um, we've got a couple of questions from Steve and Michael. Everyone else, we will speak to you very soon to preview the Europa League final. Uh And in terms of our episodes coming up, it'll be preview of the Europa League final and then we'll review it. We won't speak to you straight after the Wolves game because it doesn't really matter. Um, and then we'll have a season review for you in a couple of weeks looking back at the entire season which incredibly started with United losing three out of our first six games it doesn't feel like that now although in the last couple of weeks it does feel like that a little bit um, Jack where can people find more from you on Twitter for the Wolves game and for the Europa League final
1: at UTD Tait T-A-I-T
0: you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod that's P-O-D at the end there Have a great week. Goodbye,
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.